passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. It's rewind around. I am John Pollock alongside waiting. Live from Toronto. Hello, Way. Hello, John. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How was your raw viewing experience? Typical, I would say, for the most part. Yeah. I uh, snuck in a salad um, towards the last 15 minutes, so I'm a little bit late. Apologies. You know, we had, there's some water main on our street that we got advance notice of that we were going to have no water today. I cannot tell you how uh, inconvenient that is to be without water for 12 hours. I I could imagine. I mean, it's, it is one of life's uh, necessities. I mean, I take water before, what, losing electricity, I feel. Um, yeah, I would too. I would too after today. Yeah. So anyway. So you're wa- still without water? No, no. It came back on. It was supposed to come on at 8 p.m., Came on at nine PM, but we were without water the the entire day. So, um, so so what'd you do? Uh, I went out. I hung out with you all day. So uh, that's that's what I did. Okay. Not not all day, but I did see you today. Uh, it was a little uh, post gathering today at the famous Sneaky D's. That is correct. Yeah, and, and the occasion, of course, is because uh, Eric Marcotte is in town. He is. We caught up with Eric. Oh, for the first time, really? Yes, I've never met the man. Came yeah. down from Sudbury. It was great to meet him. And uh, we got some cameos from the great Phil Chairtalk, W.H. Park, and, of course, B. Bray D. Uh, you know, always a lovely time uh, whenever we can. I mean, always a lovely time in person or online, but in person. It felt special. It was nice. It was fun. How were the fish tacos? Not that great. No? Honestly. Oh, that's no. why you offered me one at the end. You didn't want to no. have No. Oh, okay. No, I offered you one because you looked like you were starving. Because everybody who listens to this um, might know that John Pollock, for some reason, hates beans. So he always likes to get beans on the side of his nachos. And, I mean, these were communal nachos, of course, the King's Crown. And, you know, we're like, okay, yeah, let's get beans on the side. 
And then, you know, we, the, we had our we had our whole order done and then it was changed for us. Listen, there's a very lovely man working there who uh, very friendly and offered to suggest, hey, instead of the beans, why don't you guys try chili on top of the nachos? It sounds great to me. You know, oh, yeah, chili, of course. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful substitute. And, of course, these nachos come and there are beans in the chili. So, um, which, which was my, um, suspicion. Th- th- this went through my mind, but as you positioned it, it was like, well, instead of the baked beans on the side, why don't you get chili? I'm like, okay, well, he realizes we don't want beans. So it was, hey, instead of beans, how about you have beans? <laughs> I, well, I mean, it was really was, how, how about you have this other thing? That also has beans in it, but it's got some other stuff too. I mean, it's a lower volume of beans to it was nacho. A, whatever, but it was fine. The wings were really good. I mean, yeah, I, I you know, so I, I just felt bad for you because it looked like you didn't have that much food to eat. Yeah, it's so. okay. I, I had I hadn't I hadn't had breakfast. Poor uh, guy, no water. I was I was without all. I was without food until until this this no meal. water. Uh, beans on his nachos. I, I drank I drank about five waters at this uh, at this particular and, uh, lunch. And the subway broke down on the way there. Oh my god, I you forgot just had about an that. awful day. <laughs> I go on the subway. First of all, I I put my mask into my pocket. And I'm going, uh, I'm racing to the subway and somewhere between here and the subway station, my mask had fallen out of my pocket. So I, I went onto the subway and I was like, I, I, first of all, I, I felt like a jerk getting onto the subway w- without a mask, uh, and a little subconscious, but it was like, okay, I've, I've got six stops or so. And then, uh, the train breaks down. And so I get out and. <laughs> It's like a half hour walk uh, from where I'm going. Uh, so I sped walk. I think I got there in like 20. Uh, you are a very fast walker. And, but yeah. it was super hot out. It was yeah. uh, it was very hot by this point. Anyway, it was uh, it was all worth it. All worth it for the destination. I was glad we got to uh, catch up. Uh, even to see you. I don't get to see you all that often in person. Hey, man, if you're, if you're out of water anytime, you you can come by. Like, you know. are, are, are we at that kind of a, a stage uh, of a friendship? Like, hey, what? wait, I, I need to like take a shower. Can I come over? Yes, of course. Okay, I'm glad we've we've passed that. That's okay. I I would have I would have liked to have known that that earlier today, but nonetheless, you just gotta ask. Oh well, I appreciate. I'm that. offended. Actually, you didn't. Well, how did you uh how did you feel the this morning? What time did you go to sleep last night? Like about five thirty. Yeah, five thirty. Wow, yeah. you really need like some time to like wind down. I was I was done after we were done recording. I I think I was. Uh, it's, th- it's the just, problem was I I had like a decaf coffee like right around the main event, and I know it's decaf, but I I still think uh your, your body still gets a jolt. No doubt. Yeah, maybe maybe it's a placebo. I mean, there's still a little bit of caffeine in decaf, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, it's also like you know, like doing the show and, and a bit of kind of all that. But you know, for me, it was like a lot of like you know, the post production work as well. You know, like making graphics and and all right. that shit. So yeah. So I mean, it, these are long nights. You know. So. Yeah. But and here's uh, a, and here's another one after three hours of raw um i'm not going to go through um all of the news items but we will be back on tuesday uh with the post daily news show we do have stories up on the site uh, on tarzan goto who died on sunday at the age of 58 uh pretty pretty important figure especially in the history of fmw and his uh alliance with atsushi onida um th- throughout their their careers very um very influential figure in tarzan goto uh, as a, well a man i've actually met 
You've met Tarzan Goto. I yeah. did not know that. One time I was like just in Japan kind of by myself. It might have been after like one of our um, K1 trips actually with the Fight Network. And I just like had a few extra days myself. I was just wandering through the streets of Tokyo. And then all of a sudden I see like in this like some some photos of professional wrestling on like, you know, on the side, the entry way of a bar. And I walk downstairs, of course, I'm by myself. I'm, I'm a wrestling fan. I'm curious to see. Was he and- a cook? He was not a cook. He owned the bar. It was Tarzan okay. Goto's bar, and there he okay. was sitting, sitting there, and like, you know, like they just kind of welcomed me, and they, you know, they started talking about the um, stampede and and all this stuff. So, I mean, that was really interesting. Wow, I did yeah. not know that. I know, mm-hmm. I know. You uh, was this the same trip you you saw uh, Great Sasuke on the subway in his mask? No, that was a different trip. Different trip. Okay. They're just everywhere. Wrestlers are just everywhere. If if you look for them. Uh, well, you can check that out on on the site as well. Uh, an unfortunate story involving uh, Jake Atlas, um, who was arrested uh, and is uh, facing a charge of uh, domestic assault. Uh, Andrew Thompson has a story up on the site. He was arrested on May the 23rd for a domestic assault on his partner of several years. Uh, also, in a couple of hours' time, it's going to be the uh, best of the Super Juniors with the uh, second-to-last show. The finals are on Friday, but tomorrow's uh, Tuesday morning show uh, will determine the two block winners. So, essentially, it has come down to, on the A-block side, uh, Taiji Ishimori and Hiromu Takahashi. If Ace Austin were to beat Francesco Akira and Taiji Ishimori loses, there would be a three-way tie where Austin has a win over Ishimori but a loss to Takahashi. That is highly improbable. I think it will likely come down to a uh, Taiji Ishimori and Hiromu Takahashi, and the winner advances uh, to face uh, the winner of the B block. Uh, the B block has El Fantasmo, El Desperado, and uh, in the main B-block match, and then Robbie Eagles against Teton. Robbie Eagles is still alive. Fantasmo and Desperado are uh, also still alive. So Eagles has wins over both Fantasmo and Desperado. So if Eagles and Desperado win, uh, then Eagles would advance. But if Eagles loses, uh, then it's just the winner of Fantasmo and Desperado. Again, that's probably the most likely outcome, and uh, we will see. I, I could certainly see Desperado and Hiromu ending up uh, in, the, in the finals. And then the winner would be challenging Taiji Ishimori. But we will see how things shake out on Tuesday morning to uh, conclude the the round-robin portion of the best of the Super Juniors tournament. Uh, also, up on the site, we have the schedule for this week. And it is a new month at the Post Wrestling Cafe. So we will be kicking things off uh, late Tuesday night with Rewind Away as we are going to be reviewing an episode of Friends focused on John Favreau becoming a UFC fighter while dating Monica and an episode of The Office <laughs> from season 2 episode 6 The Fight between Michael Scott and Dwight so does the office episode have any MMA tie in or no um very loose ties to karate yes okay uh, all right you have you have not watched either yet I have. I mean, I've probably seen the episodes. Okay. But yeah, these no, these are recently. ones you you could literally sit down an hour before we record, and you'll be fine uh, time okay. wise. These well, are know, very easy watches. Well, I know you're not uh, an Office fan, so I I look forward to at least uh, talking to you about the Office. Uh, one of I don't think you've got to be a fan of the show to appreciate it, though. I think it's when you yeah. can sit down and just pick, pick an episode at random, definitely, and and enjoy it. Uh, friends, friends, I think you kind of have to be more. Uh, uh, aware of the characters a bit more, uh, which I was never a super avid watcher of Friends, but I've certainly watched quite a bit of Friends over the years just because uh, it's favorite? on. 
My favorite one. Um, hey, who's your favorite friend? Maybe Phoebe. Okay. Lisa Interesting. Kudrow. Interesting. Yeah, Phoebe person. Okay. Um, I like I like Chandler and, and Monica. I think they're they're Ch- great, Chandler great was together. always a fun character. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's he's dealing with um, uh, workplace harassment in this episode. Oh, okay. And that's where the MMA comes in? Is that it? No, no. Completely oh, okay. divorced from the MMA story. I mean, it's um I will tell you this. I do uh everyone that listened to our recent uh episode going through uh the Shawn Michaels Lost My Smile. Well, folks, I do have a book excerpt for this particular what? episode. Who Interesting. who wrote about this in their book? We'll find out on Tuesday night. Rewind away as uh, Way and I will dive into this. Uh, also this week, uh, I believe up next will be coming out Wednesday morning, I understand, from uh, Braden Harrington and Davey Portman. You can look forward to that. Uh, Rewind to SmackDown, Friday night, exclusive for all Post Wrestling Cafe members. And then this weekend, you will get post shows after NXT In Your House from Braden and Davey. And Way and I will be live minutes after Hell in a Cell to review the show from Chicago on the YouTube channel and available to download on your podcast app of choice. And every day at youtube.com slash post wrestling at 1 p.m. Eastern for our post daily news update. Uh, if you're a post wrestling cafe patron, you get that right into your devices so you can listen to it at any time afterwards. That's right. And for the month, uh, we will be having uh, some of the highlights for those that jump onto the post wrestling cafe uh Three editions of Rewind Away, if you include uh, what we're releasing uh, tomorrow night, which really bleeds into June. But we'll also be doing reviews of Money in the Bank 2016, TNA Destination X from 2012, and The Return of Talk in June. Way and I will be having a, a much-anticipated talk. Our quarterly talks, yes. Live in person, I believe. That, that quarterly for that too yeah four times a year everybody or five six times four like it's getting to be more and more like four times a year we will talk about something besides professional wrestling that's right so length. look forward to that this month postwrestlingcafe.com six dollars gets you in the door for all of our bonus shows that we put out each week and access to the entire archive sit back and just listen to 111 rewind aways put it on two times yeah. the speed no put it on half the speed okay okay Come on Really, Listen, what, are, what are you doing here? You're, 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 we, you, you want the full experience. You want to digest every single morsel. You know, it's like when you're eating a very tasty meal. I don't think you you don't go to a Michelin star restaurant and just rush to eat the food. You know, you should be savoring every single bite. So you should be listening to these podcasts at half the speed. The best way. Yes. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on just any of the fallout from Double or Nothing on Sunday? Um, I, I caught a bit of the, the post, uh, show, uh, media scrums that, uh, that Tony Khan held, uh, with, with several of the wrestlers as well. Um, MJF stuff. Anything you wanted to touch upon before we go over to Raw? Hmm. Well, I mean, obviously the, the, the biggest talk coming out of the show is still the MJF, um, things. And I don't think we've had much new information in, in that regard. Um, Certainly still a lot of uh, speculation about what exactly is uh, real or not at this point and how, you know, inevitably I feel like it, it will be used to further maybe a, a, a story. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll get a, another chapter uh, it, very shortly um, that, that we'll be, you know, talking about. But uh, yeah, the press conference itself, you know, the clip that's been making around has been, I guess, Tony Khan cutting a promo on Eric Bischoff uh, because he... Did not like what he had to say about CM Punk not being a draw. Um, I don't know. It was fine. It was like, 
It got a lot of circulation. I I'm think getting mad. Yeah. That's, that's all. Um, Jericho talking a lot about like the making of um, the uh, anarchy in the, in the arena was was kind of cool. I, I really just in general like the idea of these media scrums and the fact that they're they seem to be completely just, you know, like like you would hear Jericho speak in a podcast or, you know, an interview on this site or, or any of the other sites. It's just guys kind of talking about the 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 performance that they just had. Yeah, uh, I, I haven't watched all of them, but generally like the wrestlers also like they seem to be engaged with them too. It doesn't feel like just a media obligation that they have to go through. I think they, for, for, by and large, I won't say maybe for every single person, but they seem like genuinely interested in the questions and it's, it's just something very different for them. If they've, I, I would say no matter what your background in is pro wrestling, this is something very foreign to a professional wrestling kind of um, media coverage. There's also a lot of uh, questions or at least discussion from Tony Khan regarding the length of the pay-per-view, which was also another major talking point coming out of the show. And I believe like much of his reasoning was, I mean, because of the the basketball game and I think his feel, he his reasoning that, I mean, it, it is proven to be a, a bit of a competitor to or maybe, you know, a lot of a competitor to professional wrestling. And he believes that in delaying the show or at least, you know, extending the card um, by 40 something minutes, he says it was a difference of like six figures um, in terms of how much money they made. So. I mean, he's the numbers guy, so, you know, I I would assume there's sound logic in what he thinks. And but going I, in, they knew there was a 28.1% chance that they would be going against Game 7 of the Miami-Boston series. 28.1%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we have a real-life Alexander York here in uh, Tony Khan, I think. That's right, yes. Um, you know, when... When MJF was asked about, he just said he was not going to comment on him, which, I mean, to me, I, I think it, it, at the very least, like, I think whatever you want to think of whatever has gone down this weekend, I think the large consensus is, like, the, the, the no-showing of the fan fest, that part everyone buys as legitimate. And I mm-hmm. think that that did warrant something about, you know, you had a advertised event for your fans that did not happen, Um I, I think there's there's something there, but if if the guy's not going to comment on it, he's not going to comment on it. Um, but regardless, I think that that is going to continue to be a topic, and I think now everyone is in the mode of how they are handling it now. I think we know how this started, and how is this like what what is what what has happened since of how they move forward with this when in theory you've got a year and a half left on this guy's contract, mm-hmm. yeah, and maximizing it. Pardon the pun. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when you say maximizing, like not just maximizing the contract, but I would say maybe in some way maximizing the the buzz surrounding this story, you know, whether or not it was um, uh, deliberately um, started um, or or if it really just came about. I mean, there is considerable talk and you do have somebody who's a very hot character in the wrestling world right now and MJF even hotter than he was just, you know, based off of his on on screen performances and and how that's taken by others that. If this is just fully turned into some elaborate angle of how someone is rewarded for no showing an, an event, right? Yeah, like there's there will be m- many, I think, mixed opinions uh, of that as well. But I think a lot is in the air that people are going to be uh, focused on this, and it's certainly a front and center story now that MJF is uh, a central figure in the pro wrestling news cycle, and will be every move will be focused on heavily. 
Mm-hmm. So there you go. All the latest news can be found up at postwrestling.com. And again, we will be live Tuesday, 1 Eastern, with the return of the Post Daily News Show. Raw on Monday night took place from the Wells Fargo Arena in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, the home state of one Seth Rollins. And it's Becky Lynch starting the show. And she runs on spite and coffee. And she's feeling pretty fueled up. Sounds like my diet. Spite and coffee. Yeah. Uh, you like a bit of milk and a bit of sugar and a bit of spite with your that's coffee. It. Huh? That's it. That's it. That's the secret huh. ingredient. Some people collect stamps. She collects enemies, which to each your own. They show a photo of Asuka winning the money in the bank in the bizarre location that was the WWE headquarters that feels like ages ago, which I guess it was. And and then, of course, Becky handing over the Raw women's title to Asuka the next night on Raw and said she created an entitled monster. So Asuka comes out. She's still mocking Becky, crying like a baby. She's going to be the next champion. Bianca's out. She respects Asuka. But you kicked me last week. And my title isn't going anywhere on Sunday. And Becky, just out of nowhere, jabs her. The three fight. And it ends with Becky being hit with a hip attack off the apron. And our match is Bianca Belair against Asuka in a non-title match. Mm. You know, this opening segment, much like the rest of this entire show, was a very cookie cutter, pretty typical, but I would say decent, you know, uh, scene setting type of segment here. Really just there to kind of remind us of the match that's taking place on Sunday with all three participants and doing it all in a pretty compact 10 minutes. Uh, I can't really say there was all that much that was unique or interesting about it outside of Becky Lynch's continued evolving looks, which I I love. I, I Every time she comes out here, she's coming out looking completely different and it's it's actually one of the more interesting things about the show at this point. So I think it's great. Becky was on commentary for the match and Belair rolls through on a vertical and Oscar gets out, goes to the ankle lock, then to a knee bar and Belair just powers up to her feet. They go through the break. The countdown clock has been moved to Riddle and Nakamura versus the Usos. Cody lost Man. his clock one. The third week last week, it did not have its effect of the first two weeks. Cody loses the clock. Yeah, well, I guess uh, they yeah they could have put him in in the uh, ten o'clock segment, but ultimately this is I think probably always it was always meant to be the ten o'clock clock. It is so the t- ten o'clock has now regained the clock. It's no longer Cody's <laughs> clock. He lost the ten o'clock hour. Maybe is is the more um, maybe accurate way to to put it. Yeah, and and after like you know all the heels started commenting about him having his own clock dedicated to him last week too. Asuka climbs. She's yelling at Lynch. So Belair knocks her down and then Belair gets knocked off and hit with a missile drop kick. Belair lifts her for the KOD. Asuka avoids it, but lands badly on her knee, rolling to the floor, uh, but then comes back, spinning back fist, goes for the Asuka lock and Belair uh, gets her up almost with a version of the Dodon. Um, I guess, you know, pulling for Taguchi, who is mathematically out of it and does a handspring moonsault that misses and Belair blocks in Mahistral Cradle and covers Asuka. Getting the pin, beating one of the challengers going into Sunday. This would be one of uh, several challengers losing going into their uh, title match on Sunday. It's true, yeah. But what was the alternative here? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think Oscar should have beaten or should have pinned Belair here. And the other alternative would have been a DQ finish, and I don't want that either, John. Okay, because they're like, we're going to do two tonight. We're not doing three. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I was a bit surprised at the fact that we simply even got a clean finish here. I thought this match was excellent. 
is the type of match where I don't feel will be appreciated enough at all because I think we've been so conditioned to not expect good wrestling anymore on Raw. But I thought, you know, seeing these two, they had like a little kind of like um singles, like a three minute no 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 contest type of match earlier. But like this to me was the first time we got to see these two at length in the ring together in a singles capacity. And I thought they showcased some really beautiful chemistry. They move so fluidly together. Um, I think Bel Air, her, she's really perfected her sort of acrobatic powerhouse style and it meshed really well with Asuka and her striking and just her constant hunting for, for these like flying submissions. So I, I, you know, they've shown enough to me here that I, I really want to see these two on a bigger stage. Um, you know, tell a longer story uh, in the future. I think the match will be very good on Sunday when yeah. you're adding Becky to the mix. And uh, we'll go over the, the whole card at the end of the show. Uh, Becky attacks them. There's a suplex to Asuka and then a manhandle slam. So Becky lays out both uh, t- as your go-home segment for, for Sunday. Kevin Owens and Elf Academy against Ezekiel and the Mysterios. They go through a commercial break and Owens slaps on a sharpshooter onto Dominic. How'd it look? I thought this one was above above. Uh, the pack that we saw on on Sunday. I thought that I thought this was maybe the best sharpshooter in the past twenty four hours. Agree. He locked it on pretty well. Ezekiel gets the hot tag, hits a jumping knee to Owens. Stinger splashes to Gable and Owens. We have always talked like Elias was a you know a good character. Bell would ring, and you just had no interest in him. This guy has found his role as a babyface working in a trios capacity. Very good with the hot tag. He's watching his sting tapes. I don't know what he's doing. It's like ultimate. It's like the Blade Runners in this man's body. Mm -hmm. I think it it, it falls somewhere in between like um, it. It feels like it is a parody of like your classic white meat baby face. And I think he's doing such a great job of it. You know, like down to the look and and just the the comebacks, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he spins Gable into a sit-out powerbomb. Otis makes the save. And then Otis catches Dominic, and Ray comes off with a seated senton. Owens ducks a 619. The super kick misses Ray and hits Gable. And then Gable is hit with a double 619, and Ezekiel pins Gable after a spinning vertical suplex. And Owens just has a huge tantrum, destroys the announcer's desk, and is upset as we uh, end this segment, but I thought this match was uh, a really nice six man tag. And I'll say you had a lot of good performers in this, uh, but Ezekiel did his part fine in this. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, the, the, him being in a singles match with Kevin Owens and, you know, an expected duration of like 10 plus minutes, that's going to be a different challenge. Um, and that really does remain to be seen on Sunday. But here, you're right. Like in a, a in in some sort of like multi-main capacity with somebody like a Rey Mysterio and a Chad Gable and a Kevin Owens and a Dominic. Um, he was very well utilized. Um, so are you are you suggesting you you um want to see him permanently in a trio setting can he do a tag team setting do you think he'd, he'd be successful doing yeah, that that's what we need in wwe the trios titles they need to beat AEW to the punch this would be ezekiel's role team them with the mysterios every week i don't need him in singles matches but in a trios perfect mm. uh, sounds great mm. cody rhodes comes out first hour cody he says he's always been a fan of seth rollins he had endless potential and Without saying Dusty's name, he refers to his father also seeing endless potential in Seth. So the crowd chants Dusty. 
and he is a generational talent that lives up to the hype. And Cody admits he was nervous before WrestleMania because he could not return here with a loss, and he has beaten Seth twice, and it's driving him crazy. All of his respect and reverence for Seth will be locked outside of the cage because he wants to hurt the man. So Seth makes his way through the crowd, and he's walking down the aisle, um, there's like this child that's trying to grab him. And then there's this other guy on the aisle who's just clapping. And as the music ends and he just gets out, fuck him up, Seth. Nicely audible here on the broadcast. He does not like Cody and doesn't want him here. He tried to accept this new version, but every week the pandering gets worse and the Cody chants get louder. You left WWE six years ago because you weren't good enough. You and your little friends tried to tear down what I was building here. And when it didn't work out so well for you, you came running back. You don't get to take a sledgehammer to the throne and come back to take that throne from me. I don't like you. I don't want you here. I am going to change you and end you at Hell in a Cell. And then we can all wake up from this American nightmare. Now, I spared you all the ha-ha. If he you, could just get rid of those, this was a great promo from Seth. Some, some good editing from you, John, taking all the ha-ha filter. It was That's, great. Absolutely, yeah. completely agreed. Yeah. Um, I think, like, in this feud, my favorite promo from Seth thus far, because it, it felt real, you know? like and, and it gave you a very clear storyline here. Again, I think one of the best things about Cody thus far is that he is continuing the, the, the same narrative that has followed him throughout his AEW run until uh, WWE. It is one story. And now Seth Rollins has kind of jumped into that that whole mindset as well, referring very much so to, what was this, All In? When when he uh, took the sledgehammer to the throne? Was that, double or, that show? Double or nothing. Oh, it was double or nothing. Okay, yeah, sorry. Felt, <laughs> all that stuff felt, felt forever ago. But, I mean, obviously a monumental moment, and Seth referencing it here as if it was something that took place just in the WWE itself. It's something that's very unusual, you know, that we see in the WWE. Them referencing other timeline events mm-hmm. that didn't take place under under their jurisdiction. They don't even reference NXT things, you know, all, all that much anymore. So for Rollins to just make mention of that just makes this, just add, add so much depth and, and, and sort of a, I don't know, um, respect for your audience, you know, who's probably seen all that stuff. Yeah, I I thought this was a a great promo from Seth. And then Cody challenges him to fight now. And Seth teases jumping the barricade, but box at it. So Cody goes after him and they fight in the crowd. And it's a big pull apart. The producers are out. Uh, I I thought this was a really strong segment to send Mm -hmm. you into Sunday. This is this feels like the main event of the show on like, let's be honest. This is certainly a a, this does not feel like a big show on Sunday, uh, but they did a very good job for this as a go home segment involving these two. So it's our, I, it's our only cell match. It's the only cell match. I mean, it mm-hmm. should be the going on last because there's certainly not any other options uh, as of now. I agree. I thought it was a very good segment. I, I think Cody continues to be a really strong promo in the midst of, you know, I would say pretty stagnant deliveries all around the rest of the show. Um, he, his delivery, especially again, I think being in the WWE has honestly improved his promos because, um, they're well delivered as they always have been. But now the content is completely clear. There's no kind of real subtle mistaking of what he might be re- referencing and, and, or what, what he might not be. Seth also sounded tremendous here. It is going to be really difficult for me to overcome like 
a third match sort of like, you know, um, apathy, especially when one person has already won two of the three matches and, you know, maybe he'll, he'll probably win the third one here as well. But the segment was really strong. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Alexa Bliss versus Dewdrop, who had Nikki in her corner. Uh, Dewdrop misses her in the corner. Uh, Alexa got a bloody nose in this. Dewdrop misses a senton. Crowd was totally dead for this. Vader bomb misses. She kicks Nikki off the apron. Twisted Bliss, and Alexa wins in 319. Not much to speak about here. You know, pretty basic kind of David Goliath match, which um, Dewdrop seems to just... Like, babyface or heel doesn't really matter because they don't really have any identity thus far. So she's just kind of like a, you know, obstacle for Alexa Bliss to overcome here. All uh, three of these people feel lost on this show. They have nothing going on. It's I mean, Alexa, clearly they're, you know, giving her wins to try to give her some sort of significant role coming out of this. Maybe a title challenge. But what what is surprising is, yeah, the lack of personality she's shown since she's come back you know it's been like four weeks now four five weeks maybe and her whatever character she's supposed to be is still a real mystery to me she just feels really generic all of a sudden with her only sort of significant trait being the fact that she still carries the doll um and she smiles a lot which you know it seems to be their default now these days for baby faces in their women's division just smile 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 Ms. TV, Ms. Plugs, Ms. and Mrs. returning next week with two episodes to start off season three, and Maurice will be here. That is correct, yeah. But before this, John, we had Lacey Evans. The only time we saw Lacey Evans on the show. I missed it. <laughs> uh, she was in a highlight package because she helped start oh. the race at the NASCAR Coca-Cola 600. I did now, see this. Okay, I didn't... Uh, those interstitials I, I usually don't uh, include in the recaps. Yes. So last week they had promoted that Lacey Evans would be in action this week. Mm-hmm. She was not in action. So did WWE summarily and unprofessionally advertise a match all week long and not deliver it? I was disappointed. This is really bad because WWE is now going to have to pull all of its merchandise. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, I mean, listen, their answer is going to be, hey, like we can falsely advertise, but it's it's under our power. It's under our watch. No, you can. A talent cannot falsely advertise on our behalf. You know, I mean, this. Yeah, of course. But, but don't don't give me this argument that an advertised oh, yeah. match carries this great weight that yes. the viewer is left so empty by not receiving uh, totally. on the on this particular episode. And let's be honest. Ninety percent of the people watching this probably had no idea or forgot that Alexa Bliss was, or sorry, that Lacey Evans was advertised for this show. It is but it's true. Just, it's comical. This is in such close proximity to this being such a big deal. Yes, it's true, except for the fact that it's Memorial Day. They aired this video package later on in the show that they aired on SmackDown, and coming out of that package would have been such a perfect spot to, you know, debut what looks to be a baby face Lacey Evans. It's Memorial Day and you have somebody with basically, you know, whose whose character is that she she's a former veteran. 
Like, I, I don't know what happened here. Did she miss a flight or something? Like, what? Well, how could we, you we, not take advantage? Well, and let, let's give, like, some uh, wiggle room here that if there had been an issue that she couldn't be on the show and it was out of their power. I still say when it comes to advertising, you still make mention of, of that. Like, listen, yeah, sure. be, it was beyond our control. Lacey Evans was not available this week. She will be back next week. Something. You have advertised something. And, and the, mis- the the not being able to make it is our speculation. We we don't know what happened here. But you're for, for one thing, yeah. Like, if you advertise I'm just saying that that's one of the we, – we don't know what the it, issue was. If it was a decision made by the company or that, you know, she was not available for whatever reason. Sure, whatever, but it, it's a missed opportunity either way. I, I mean, I feel like maybe their explanation would be that, well, she doesn't have a role on the pay-per-view on Sunday. We're choosing to, choo- you know, d- devote our TV time to the this w- w- Ms. TV Dude, tonight is, segment. tonight is about Tamina <laughs> finally winning this title, so we don't have time yeah. for the All-American Lacey Evans. But, I mean, it, talk about, like, a fumbling of this, like, whole thing, you know? Like from the from the video packages to the awkward debut to trying to ch- change course like last minute to just missing out on on the perfect opportunity to have her do, have her in ring debut or return here, I it, to me it's just like it's so clear they have no idea what they're doing with this person. Miz gets interrupted by the Street Profits, who I swear they come out just to like shoot the breeze about Hell in a Cell and talk about the matches that they're looking forward to. They finally ask Miz what he's looking forward to. And as he goes to answer, they cut him off with, it doesn't matter what you think, which did get a pop from the crowd. The 24-7 geeks are all I out. I fucking hate that thing. Like, I mean, yeah, it's cool when The Rock did it in like 1999. Or in like, his, his shoot promo in the USWA on Young Rock. Apparently oh, okay, that, he did yeah, that he, he, he did he it way back it, then. Eh? He used it on wow. the, uh, the fictitious booker. But it's it's just like it's it's not been that cool for like twenty years. But I guess I guess it it worked out here fine. So all the twenty four seven people are out. Tozawa yanks the belt off Dana Brooke. T Bar is now part of this mess. Uh, Montez Ford super kicks T Bar. I was so frightened that Montez Ford was going to win this title, but he was kept away from it. Apollo Cruz is in here, blah, 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 blah. Tamina hits a Samoan drop and pins Dana Brooke, kisses Tozawa, who then uses a backslide to pin Tamina, and Tozawa leaves with the 24-7 title. And, and apparently, is this like significant because it was Tozawa's first win or something? Didn't they say finally he he won? He's Maybe. had the 24-7 title. Oh, he has? Didn't he uh, lose it to the shark? Or, <laughs> no, he got he got eaten by the shark. Yeah. I, I Don't ask me for the title lineage. I have no idea. Um. <laughs> This was terrible. I hated this segment. This just felt like, you know, like a shitty salad of scraps that they didn't have time for, for on the rest of the show. Shoved one segment. Oh, I, sorry. We flew the biz and we flew the Street Profits and we got nothing for them to do. Let's just throw them all together and throw <laughs> the 24-7 guys in there, too. It was just like every non-sequitur just like crammed into one thing. It, it's, I mean, it was about what you did. <laughs> right. Like the, the Miz literally had like two lines on this show. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Mustafa Ali is out to take on Ciampa. Uh, Theory is on commentary. Uh, Ali does his roll into the ring right into a knee strike. Uh, these guys are trying to have a nice match, but n- nobody cares. It's all positioning of this. 
Uh, Ali goes for a suicide dive, crashing into the desk, and then Theory grabs Ali's leg, yanking him off the turnbuckle for our first DQ of the night in 329, and he beats the hell out of Ali, throws him into the post, and because of this win by DQ, Ali gets a future shot at the United States title, which Theory wants to grant him now. So Ali is beaten throughout the commercial break. He's in the corner. The referee is protesting and saying, Ali, you don't have to do this. Oh, I'll fight him. I'll fight him. He can't even stand. The man can't even stand. And the bell rings. Uh, Ali is hits him with a super kick out of the corner and a spinning DDT, but then gets crotched on top. And Theory hits the ATL, pinning Ali in a minute 46. When Adam Pierce saves the day and says Vince McMahon wants to see a fair fight. So this Sunday, it's Theory against Ali at Hell in a Cell. So at least Ali has a match in his hometown at the pay-per-view. After, oh, yeah, which uh, always, a, well, always uh, works out great for the hometown person <laughs> in these scenarios. Yeah. <laughs> what you know. a setup this was. Oh, just what, a, what a red hot baby face they built up here. You know, in oh. one segment, he's getting the shit beat out of him by Ciampa. The match gets DQ'd when Theory beats him up. We had a second match here where Theory just basically just destroys him. Um, so sign me right up for, for that, uh, title match. I mean, and they might do a thing where, yeah, okay, well, like this is all to, so that he could set up a title win and we'll see Ali win the victory. Great. Awesome. <laughs> like what a way to turn this, this U.S. title around. You know, you really, in the end, you're just like, you, for one thing, I don't think he's going to win the championship. And even if he does win, it's meaningless. You're just passing the, this, this prop from one cold champion to another. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't, this, this whole Ali thing is, it's really hard for me not to see it as just like a long drawn out, you know. Wait, you gotta wait for it to play out. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I'll say it. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say it, it is pretty terrible to be the, the weak challenger getting destroyed to set up your challenge on Sunday. It's even worse to be the background guy yeah. for the guy getting destroyed to set up his title challenge on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Champa is just like I I I think he's just like Listen, nothing. Hey, wait, wait, wait. He could fall far further, okay? He could have been he could be T-Bar right now. Just, you know, um running for the 24/7 division and then just thrown out. I mean, he could be the 24/7 yet. Champa. Yes, he can. Yeah. 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 It's a shame because, you know, like you, you see him wrestle here. I mean, it's like the man is a Porsche, you know, like he's that good. He's so incredibly great. And um, just kind of, you know, being used here to, I don't know, for your grocery run. Now he's like Alpha Tori or something. I don't know. He's <laughs> like, you know, he's been relegated. We go to a we have a walk and talk with Riddle in the back. Randy's not here. Nakamura pops into the scene and they have a common purpose to bleed the bloodline dry. So that is our championship contenders match. The Usos against Riddle and Nakamura heat on Riddle for a long time. The Ronin and the Bronin. Yes, they were called the Ronin and the Bronin. Kind of catchy. Kind of not. 
Nakamura hits a sliding German to Jimmy off the middle rope and then uh, goes for a Kinshasa, but is stopped when Jay gets onto the apron. Jimmy lands a super kick. There's a tag to Riddle, and he goes for the draping DDT on Jay. It's stopped. Nakamura makes a blind tag, and as Jay goes for a dive, he runs into the Kinshasa. Jimmy makes the save, and it's Riddle in doing all the Randy spots, calls for the RKO, but Jay blocks and hits a super kick. Jimmy then attacks Riddle with the scooter, for the DQ, after however long this went, Riddle and Nakamura mm. recover, and it ends with Riddle hitting a super RKO off the top to Jay. So they won by DQ because of this scooter attack. So that should mean uh, that they get a future title shot. I thought they were going to announce this for Sunday, which I guess they could add this. This would automatically be the number two match on the show if they did. Um, but we will see. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't have added it to the roll call later if if that was the case. I was expecting know? it uh, the way this this match ended. Like this, it should be on the show Sunday. You would figure, Which or or they, maybe they save it for for next Monday, you know, or or, or Friday or, or something. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, why not? Let's let's just do it on on TV. Yeah. This, you know, when they put tickets on sale for Hell in a Cell, they've done a great advance for this show in Chicago, mm-hmm. and I'm just looking at like the card that they are giving them that that we have currently right now. I would yeah. just be like, it's like, that's a hot market for them. And they are not bringing a hot show. They have one match and that's what this show is on Sunday. Yeah. Not very hot in terms of anticipation. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're getting to the point where we have a shows, we have B shows and we have C shows and these are feeling like C shows, but I think they're very confident or at least they probably think there's a, a big value simply in having the sell there and having Cody, you know, being a leading act. Uh, which I think the the main event will be great, will be great, and I think for the most part, whenever we talk about these pay per views, like the wrestling itself is usually very good. So I don't. But we I, but we are starting to introduce a trend of like the big stars not on these these shows, and mm-hmm. um and we're and we will see what Money in the Bank how how the, if this is reflected on that based on the the change of the names that they're advertising for that show that it kind of like Rondo is an is. I believe still advertised for Sunday, but I mean, they've, hmm. which they could still add a match to, but I mean, oh, she's got really nothing. late. It's, it's very like late. Three days ahead. Anyway, um, you know, we got a glimpse of Nakamura and Riddle here. I think Nakamura is actually a very good fit with Riddle. He's a great temporary replacement for Orton here that, you know, puts the focus on Riddle as the, 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 the center of, of the team. I think his momentum as a strong baby face continues to be, elevated even without randy orton here so i thought this was another successful outing for the both of them big spectacular rko at the end and i i i I can't i mean i could see them delaying this for tv but i really think they should put it on the pay-per-view well we'll see they could always add this just uh online or announce it kevin patrick interviewed ali he's hurting right now but he will make sure it's worth it he will not stay down and he will walk out of his hometown as champion. And with that, Theory beats the hell out of him and takes a selfie. Like, you yeah. just, you can't write this. I didn't even realize it was in Chicago. So, I mean, how many CM Punk chains do we get? Because we got some of it already in this Ali, Ali segment earlier. A um, little bit. It just seems like they've been to a sh- Chicago a bunch of times since Punk has gone back to AEW. And they have not been a thing. It's, I'm not expecting them. Um, not saying it's impossible, but uh, we'll see. I guess Punk is just like a bit more in the news these days. Um, usually at this point, like if you hear it in the WWE, it's usually more of a term of like revolt, as if the crowd wants to say, we don't like this. 
And if they deliver a strong show on Sunday, you, they won't have an opportunity for people to chant punk. Think of the the fact that um, Hell in a Cell and Forbidden Door are four weeks apart in Chicago, and between like they're both full. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey man, like it's, it's like- over twelve thousand tickets are out for Hell in a Cell. It's like over. 14 or so for forbidden door like that's that's folks that's why they're going to chicago uh, with these shows and i don't think they're the same fans you know i I think you have a very insatiable audience that maybe is willing to travel i'd be really curious to know the the overlap of people going to both shows i'm sure there's Mm -hmm. some but um i wonder how high that percentage would be they have also added the Judgment Day versus AJ Styles, Finn Balor, and Liv Morgan, which should be a very good match uh, for for Sunday's show. Um, and then my favorite, the Money in the Bank ad, which now the voiceover. It will now take place inside the intimate confines, which is the term we are going with, of the like MGM it. Grand Garden Arena. I love yeah. that a 12,000-seat arena is now intimate. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's um... a... <laughs> this is like if Much Music know. did like intimate and interactive at like the Skydome. Uh, sure you're right yeah it's um i mean i think that's always like you accentuate the um the the good qualities and you uh, minimize the uh the weaknesses right i guess so yes uh there was also a memorial day video uh that they aired here but before all of that Liv morgan makes her entrance and you always see this. The person will come out, they'll do their entrance, then they go to break, and sometimes we'll go backstage, we'll do some stuff. The person's just out there, they've turned down the lights, and then the opponent comes out. Well, this time, they cram so much stuff that between Liv Morgan walking out and the bell ringing for this match to start, 19 minutes passed. Wow, really? <laughs> she walked out at 10.15 p.m., and the bell rang at 10.34. God. That has to be a record for one of these. Yeah, maybe. she stood out there for two commercial breaks. Yeah, I wonder what she did to pass that time. Chatted, Probably. maybe. Like, I don't know. Like, um, she could have done a lot in 19 minutes. I mean, she could have done her whole warm up. She probably after was, she uh, got out there. Yeah, uh, it was a terribly awkward transition. I felt you know going from the Memorial Day thing to to just this match. That oh, by the way, it's uh, yeah. Remember this from 19 minutes ago? Yeah, the match is happening now. Again, it would have been a perfect spot to put Lacey Evans coming off of the video. After the commercial break, AJ Styles and Damian Priest magically appear ringside. Ripley's in control and then runs uh, into the post and Liv hits a high cross to the floor. Uh, Priest then holds on to Ripley to prevent oblivion. So AJ attacks Priest. The riptide gets avoided and Liv hits a backstabber and rolls her up. And the referee counts one, two, and then makes the motion for the three count, but doesn't hit the mat. But everyone just went along as, as it was the finish that, Unless you were listening for it, you wouldn't have even noticed it. But um, it it was I, I could have imagined it would have thrown people not hearing the uh, the hand hit the mat. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. um, this was fine, and I think the match will be pretty good on Sunday. In with all these people involved, and Liv and Ripley, like they have they have a good chemistry together. Yeah, yeah, I think the crowd continues to like really like Liv Morgan. You know, they, she works really well as a underdog babyface. Uh, and you have AJ and Finn Balor and Edge in the match. Like, yeah, I'm sure it'll be very successful. Liv can probably take the fall. I, I guess any of them could take the fall. Really. No, you need Finn Balor's taking the fall. Are you you're right. Me? You're right. Finn's probably below Liv. Liv yeah. Finn can afford a loss more than Liv Morgan can at this point. Yeah. 
Priest attacks AJ, and then Priest goes after Liv, prompting Finn Balor to run down. So he was not out ringside, but he shows up and he attacks him. Liv missile drop kick is delivered to Ripley, and then a phenomenal forearm to Priest and a coup de gras before the three two er, the three of them too sweet each other. And Liv's segment that began at ten fifteen p.m. ended at ten forty seven. Wow, the whole ten o'clock hour is is Liv Morgan. So hey, win or lose, like I mean, we we gotta credit Liv Morgan. If that 50 plus audience is, doesn't drop uh, below, a, I'd say a 0. 0.82, then Liv, yeah. confirmed draw. Okay. That'll, that'll be the next WrestleNomics special. Mm, is Liv yes. Morgan a draw? Final segment. So Adam Pierce is out for the contract signing. At some point, this is how much attention I was paying way because all of a sudden I'm listening and there's like some documentary on Margaret Thatcher that's been playing on my TV for five minutes. And I realized <laughs> I, I have hit my remote and I went over to TVO or something. And I realized I just thought this was like some commercial or something. And it's like 1056 and I have not watched any of the contract signing. So anyway, I was very engaged here. Um, Lashley, Omos and MVP are out. MVP was cutting a great promo and these fans are just doing the what chant. God damn it. Like I, I really detest this chant, especially when it's like a good promo and it's just to fuck with the performers. And I understand there is a way that these performers speak that does kind of invite the what chant that you have to work around, but it still sucks. And I'm so tired of this thing. I don't disagree with you, but at the same time, it felt to me though, like it is as much, I think a way, um, for audiences to just simply voice displeasure at a heel. I mean, it is sort of like the modern way of booing, you know, in the WWE where you don't want to hear what the How about we do the old way of booing? Well, we don't need to update booing. You got to make booing a bit cooler than just, you know, I think what it, what it has been. I mean, they have nobody to blame but themselves. It's just just something that they created, isn't it? So it's not every wrestling fan, you know, um, especially if you're just there to be entertained by the show. Not every wrestling fan is going to think about, well, how much respect are we showing the performers? You know, they're just there to react the way that they're going to react. I'm just saying this what chant is literally older than Julia Hart. Wow. Amazing. Um, I mean, listen, like we need how how is that? How is it that we don't have a, you know, tried and true remedy for this thing by now? Like this is really just it's it's something I feel like we should have cured by now. This this what epidemic? You know, we've had a lot of time. Well, there's a lot of chance I wish we could just put in the bin. But this is one that is just going to this one will outlive me. I'm, I'm sure of it. Uh, Lashley says he never needed MVP. He was a leech trying to stay relevant. He says, I considered you a friend. MVP says, I considered you a brother. And Lashley says he's going to send them both to hell as he signs the contract. They stand up and then Omos and Lashley just destroy all the furniture. The desks are tossed aside. They do their best Wardlow impression, sending all the security guys flying. Omos is taking these chairs and just tossing them over. And then Cedric Alexander appears, chop-locking the knee of Lashley. But Lashley makes his own comeback, gets dropped by Omos and MVP. Get the table! And Omos gets the table. And Lashley avoids and spears Omos through the table. And that's how the show ended, with Lashley standing tall here. So maybe doom is coming for Lashley on Sunday. Mm, Maybe, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Contract signing here, I think about honestly as 
by the numbers of a contract signing as as you could expect, you know. By the letters. By the letters, correct, yeah. Um this was I'll say like I think it was a good go home show in that it, you know, put a lot of focus behind the matches that were taking place and um uh, some good wrestling, you know, on the show. I really like Belair versus Asuka. Uh the tag match was good. Uh, was there a good? There was a solid hour, is what you can say in this. Maybe an sure. hour and a half. Cody for promo. Cody. Cody. Cody and and promo was good. That was Cody strong. and Seth was very good. Yeah. Um, but the contract I mean, signing was what it was. Um, the six man was all right. Uh, with with Ezekiel as well. I just didn't feel a ton of energy attached to the show, but I, I really did enjoy the Rollins Cody segment. I think that was the strongest uh, part of this show, and. The rest is like you've got a lot of talents that, you know, you, you see the the few that are being pushed in a meaningful way and the rest that are sort of just, you know, their their attachments, which that's you're going to have that. Um, I, I do think Sunday, I think it'll be a fine show. Uh, I get lots of fine shows. So, well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, this is always the issue. I, I don't I don't I think it's almost guaranteed that the wrestling will be more than solid um on sunday you can question whether or not the booking will be um satisfactory and more importantly what we're here to talk about is how what is our interest going into the show and much like it was for the the wrestlemania backlash and i'm sure much like it will be for many of their you know at this point bc level shows that they they're doing it's pretty low you know and, and you can just kind of chalk that up to star power you can chalk that up to them building to a three third match in a trilogy where one person has won two matches to zero um and just you know maybe maybe just a overall lack of star power so this is the card we have as of now Cody Rhodes against Seth Rollins in the Hell in a Cell match Bianca Belair Oscar and Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's title Kevin Owens against Ezekiel Bobby Lashley against MVP and Omos Theory defending the U.S. title against Mustafa Ali and Liv Morgan, AJ Styles and Finn Balor against the Judgment Day. So what we have is a raw pay-per-view so far. Wow, interesting. It okay, is all even... raw matches so far. We will see if they add uh, the, the Usos Us- the- and Riddle and Nakamura. Um, but even then, it would be sort of a raw pay-per-view. They've got the raw championships. Let's let me look and see if they are still on the site listing uh, Rhonda, at least in the advertising for huh. this. She's on the poster. And yeah, Rhonda Rousey is still being, they are listing here like, uh, Rhonda Rousey, Drew McIntyre, uh, who do not have matches yet. So, so we, we is, could get some additions this week. It's possibly. interesting because WrestleMania Backlash only had six matches too. And that's already what we're up to for this one. Yeah. Uh, th- just the fact that their, their names are featured on here does not mean that's a given that they will be on this show. But, um, obviously we know Rhonda was originally supposed to be on this show with Sasha Banks and that, that fell apart. Very interesting. Okay. Let's take some feedback before we wrap it up. Uh, we go to Manny from Pacoima. Sorry for asking in a raw review, but do you have any news on Jeff Hardy? AEW's Instagram page posted the advertised 10-man tag for Wednesday is now an eight-man with Jeff and Adam Cole being removed. Yes, uh, that has been changed for Wednesday's Dynamite. I do not have an update uh, regarding Jeff Hardy, but that is everyone's uh, speculation that potentially he was uh, he was hurt, but that is not confirmed. We got a Kate from Montreal who says last night's main event for Double or Nothing was about 25 minutes long, which means that between the time she arrived and when her match finished, Liv Morgan spent almost as much time in the ring as CM Punk in the last 24 hours. 
They really have got to do something about the way they block these shows so that people don't just hang out for ages because it's gotten silly. It is gotten silly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I understand the appeal of wanting to like, you know, transition between one block of a, of a show to another block seamlessly. I think you could do just as much by having Liv Morgan just appear in the back on her way out. Um, I, I don't know if they see that much value. Like, do they see that much value in giving somebody a complete entrance? It's it's they, they obviously do. They obviously see this as an but effective how much way value? to hold people. Really? Like if if, if it's twenty five nineteen minutes, you know, between well, the th- this the one this one was you know on the longer side that I've ever seen them. I mean, usually it's to hold people over for a commercial break and then maybe a backstage segment, and then we go back to the ring. This was ridiculous because we did it again with Rhea because when she finally entered, they went to another commercial break. Yeah. Wow. Uh, she goes on to, to say, Cody versus Seth definitely feels like the hot program going into su- Sunday, and I expect the women's title match to be very good as well. What matches do you think we're going to have from SmackDown? <laughs> That's everybody's question. There aren't any books so far, but I can think of what they'll put on there. I can't think of what they'll put on there unless it's a Corbin-Moss rematch. Yeah, Corbin is back on Friday. Um, that does nothing for me to, to add that. I, I don't see them adding that one. It just seems... Um unnecessary i guess you know your options they it's not like it's for lack of programs you've got the potential of an usos match with nakamura and riddle you have the potential of rousey against raquel or rousey against shotzi you have um it drew against i mean pick, pick your person uh if you want to get get him onto the show there's people you can do it with but again it's it's sort of just like padding out a card that's already I'm not complaining about six matches. I think it's uh it's kind of the opposite approach to what we had at, at double or nothing but uh we are going to get a fraction of the show that double or nothing was. Yeah, but the fact that we're only getting, you know, matches from one brand does does like suggest something pretty interesting, you know. Um because I feel like the the brand split means nothing these days. Yet um, to get a pay per view of only one side of matches would be very peculiar for sure. Especially when you're so low in, in depth of of star power, you know, to not have a Ronda match or Drew match uh, would be strange. And even if they do end up on there, like it's a very quick bit. It's not like you have a big program ready for it. And the Ronda one, obviously, there were extenuating circumstances. But mm-hmm. uh, it's not like last week did a whole lot to really uh, push you in the direction of wanting to see a match. Right. Okay. That's going to wrap up Rewind to Raw. Uh, if you want to go back, we have a two-plus-hour show going through Double or Nothing on Sunday night. You can go check that out on your podcast app of choice or YouTube.com slash Post Wrestling. Go subscribe, and you will get alerts whenever we are going live weekdays at 1 Eastern, where we are back for the post-daily news show on Tuesday, and then Rewind Away on Tuesday night, reviewing Friends from Season 3 and The Office from Season 2. Yeah, I believe links to all of that is up at forum.postwrestling.com, right, John? Um, I don't know, actually. Oh, they, okay. might not, well, they might not be. You'll find them uh, somewhere, I'm sure. Okay, search them out, um, <laughs> depending on what country you're in. I don't, I don't even know where you can go outside of... I had to find these. Uh, Friends was on Crave, and The Office was on Netflix in Canada. Okay. So that's, that's where I went. In the U.S., it would probably be all on Peacock. That's right. Yes, most likely. Okay, that's going to wrap it up. We'll chat with you on Tuesday, and that is it. Thank you for tuning in.